Hello, you amazing people out there, and welcome to the Amazing Action Comics Podcast, where we are all about independent comics. I'm your host, Angel, with Phil Pepe. How's it going, Angel? It's Monday. How do you think it's going, bro? <laughs> well, you know what? I'm pretty excited about this Monday because, you know, last Monday we had to do our Friday. Uh, but now we got a really uh, special guest, a, a great creator today, a really wonderful writer that uh, I'm really jazzed about what he put out there so far. I, I am, too. And I just need to take a stab at, you know, why we did Friday on a Monday. And that was not my fault, people. That was all <laughs> Phil. All it was right, all so, Yes, it was all you. So welcome to another edition of the Indie, Comic, uh, Indie Creator Spotlight. Uh, our special guest today is Michael Gonzalez of uh, is it Rainy Road Media. Is that right, Michael? Yes. Hey, how are you, brother? I'm all right. How are you guys doing? We we were we're alive. I had a cup of coffee, so I, I'm okay right now. Oh, yeah, I, I might make another. Too. You got yours also? Yes. Uh, dude, uh, you're I ahead of me. I, I just woke up. <laughs> uh, I cannot function without my coffee. So, uh, Michael, listen, we're, we're happy to have you on. We're going to be talking, you know, all things comics. We're going to be talking about your current Kickstarter that you have coming up, which we're more than happy to promote. But we kind of want to just take a step back and just kind of like start at the beginning of sort of like your origin story. So we're going to hop right in here and talk a little bit about your introduction to, to the comics medium. Sure. Well, uh, thanks for having me, first of all. I really appreciate it. Um, so basically, I just, you know, I grew up uh, reading comic books. I love comic books. And at some point, I got the crazy idea that I could maybe make them. And um, even from a very early age, I think I sent submission to Marvel Comics when I was like 11 years old. Nice. And um, so I've just been trying ever since a young age, writing all the time. Um, and then later on, I got trying to get into like film and TV. Um, I got out of comic books and, but then, um, wait, uh, wait, 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 let yeah. me, uh, cause I'm like, I'm processing now. So okay. you wrote to Marvel comics at 11 years old. Yeah. <laughs> did you get a response think, back? Yeah, I did. Do, Actually, do you still have that letter? Uh, I think I do uh, somewhere. Cause I cool. remember seeing it like a few years ago and I was going through some of my old crap and, uh, I think it's um, it was a forum letter, and it was from Marvel. It was like I think when back when they were owned by some company called Cadence or something. The Marvel hmm. logo was it was like a blue and had like these lines through it and stuff. Anyway, um, and it was signed by Stan Lee, and you know not his actual. <laughs> yeah, 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 like, yeah. Know, like, I'm just dumbfounded. It was 11 years old. At 11 years yeah. old, I was like still playing dodgeball. Yeah. Uh, not even thinking well, about writing. Well, what, what is it? Uh, Jim Shooter was actually yeah. writing for comics at like twelve or something like that. Yeah, I think uh, that's yeah. actually. Uh, it's funny that you mentioned that because I think that's kind of what what might have gotten into my head because I remember reading that. Yeah. Like in the Marvel comics, they would have you know that uh, bullpen yep. bulletins and stuff yep. like that, <laughs> and I think he wrote in there about. Like when he was 13 years old, he was writing stories for DC Comics. Yeah, yeah. And I think that might have been what got in my head. And I was like, well, shit, if he can do it, then I can do it. That's so, awesome. You know, so I just tried. And I think what it was was, I don't know if you guys remember, the Marvel had a tryout book. Yep. And it was mostly for, you know, artists, like mm -hmm. pamphlets, inkers, and that kind of stuff. But I think they also had this thing, section where you could send them what was called a springboard and it would be like just a one or two line synopsis of your story. Yep. And and then you would provide like a one or two pages of the, a plot outline. 
And so I had sent them that. I think I sent one for Captain America and like two for Punisher. And, um, you know, I just sent it. And I was like, okay, whatever, just try it. And then I actually got a letter back and I was like shocked. And I was like, holy <laughs> crap. So so did you actually have the Marvel tryout book as a kid? Uh, I don't think I had the book. I think just somehow that I read about it or found out about it and like had the found the address or something to it right on right on yeah because i know i i had it i thought it was a really cool thing that they did i didn't submit anything uh i think the only other person that i know of who actually had it and submitted anything was mark bagley because that's 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 where they discovered him was from that book yeah that's crazy so i i guess if we go back and read a lot of that stuff it's like who wrote this a 12 year old and it just it, make, it makes so much sense now. So all right, so continue. I didn't mean to cut you off. All right, so you left no, comics no. a little bit. Uh, did a little. Did you do anything for t- uh, TV or film? Um, well, I wrote a bunch of stuff. Uh, wrote a bunch of full length, feature length screenplays. Um, I got some of them, you know, just on the periphery of like Hollywood kind of stuff. I got one script awesome. to like Jennifer Lopez's agent at uh, one time. This was like before she was really, really big. Mm. Um, but mostly like I was doing like local things, like s- short films. This is when I was living in Miami. Um, mm. So I did a bunch of stuff there and I tried that for a while. I moved out to California, not to L.A., but to San Francisco. Okay. Um, nice and um, so I tried that for a while, um, but it didn't, you know, it only went so far. I didn't really get much out of it. So I just pretty much gave up writing totally uh, and then just went on and did other things. And then I kind of just wanted to get back into it and just try it one more time. And that's where I'm at right now. Cool. All right. So now how long? So I'm, I'm going to step back a little bit more. So from the creative perspective, you're a writer, artist, artist, writer, just writer. No, I, I can only draw stick figures. So <laughs> no, that's like the most famous answer. And if you could draw stick figures, then you can draw. Because yeah. uh, that's 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 the basic foundation. All right, so writing. So then you got back into writing for comics. Now, how long have you been uh, writing comics now, or your comics at least? Uh, it's been it's like since 2013 is when I kind of jumped back into it. I was living in China at the time, <laughs> working as a motorcycle um, technician. Okay. And um, I was just there, and I kind of had a lot of free time. A lot of downtime, not really doing much. And then I found out about things like comicsology, and, you know, the whole internet came about and all that. So it's much easier to find artists and to get published things, get it, get it all together. Hmm. I was like, you know what? Well, maybe just give it a shot. Try it one more time and see if I can make it happen. And so I just jumped back into it, and I did like a – what was intended to be a one-shot horror comic. It's called Six Eight. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, I did that one, and and then I just come up with other stuff. And I was I wanted to do that one, you know, just as sort of like a, a calling card sort of book. You know, then I could you know just get it, have it done, and then I could show it around to people and try to get work from that. And then I also started putting together things for pitches to send you know to like image dark horse and all this kind of stuff and then the more that i did that i figured well nobody's really going to give me a, a shot um, nobody's going to take the chance with me so i might as well just go ahead and do it myself you know just start self-publishing things and so then i got into doing 
Neo Theric and then the rest. Okay, cool. I, I'm I'm glad you actually mentioned six eight. Uh, there's a couple of you know books that you sent us, and and Phil and I have, have been going through them, and we're going to review them actually this Friday um, on our our indie comment review. And one of the things that I really enjoyed about six eight is whoever you got as the artist for that book was spot on with the mood that you try to create in that book. Alan Burns. Alan Burns. Yeah. It does a great job on that book. It's, um, it's like, uh, Ben Temple Smith, like 30 days a night moody. Right. And you get get just enough information to carry Mm -hmm. you through. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, it's just, I, I dig it. I dig, I'm looking at it right now. I dig the, the, the colors that are, that, and the, 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 the flashes of light. Yeah. That sepia tone and everything is just really awesome. But all right. So, but before we go down that hole, Let's just, <laughs> let's step back a little bit and just okay, because you know what? It's really important for other creators out there to know that this is a really good time to be a creator, even if you can't get into. You know, we 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 don't really speak about the big two here because there's so many podcasts about the big two, um, and oftentimes you know, we, most people still consider Image to be independent, but they're so large now that they kind of demand uh, certain types of. Uh, creators that come under their umbrella. So they, they're pushing more people away than bringing in at the, at the very beginning. And it's funny because now they're hiring more established artists and writers rather than the independent artists and writers. Uh, but they still fall under that umbrella. And then you have other, you know, smaller, bigger, or bigger, smaller, whichever way you want to call it, uh, independent publishers like Dark Horse. Uh, you got guys that are coming up now like Vault and AWA. Boom's pretty big now as well. Um, and everyone is just kind of like they're either accepting a submissions or they're not accepting submissions or, you know, we're just not the right fit or they're just hiring people that have been in the industry for quite some time. And it makes it hard for creators that have, you know, solid work, good ideas to, to submit to these guys that we're going to keep getting turned down. Um, so we're always talking about creators in this day and age where it's more acceptable, it's more, uh, I think it's easier to, to publish your own work and get it out there. Uh, it's, it's yeah. the, you know, the publishing is easy. It's the distribution and the awareness mm-hmm. that's the challenge. Yes. So you, you touched on something that was really great because, you know, now that we're connected with the internet, you're a writer, you're reaching out for artists. So let, let's talk about 6-8 for a second, not as far as story-wise, but just talk about, you know, your creative process, on that and then reaching out into the world and collaborating with an artist in that type of relationship. Mm, you can just yeah. touch on that. Yeah, so basically what it started out was, the story started out as a feature-length screenplay that I wanted to pitch to some guy in Hong Kong uh, as a, like a super low-budget movie. Uh, he wasn't interested in it. I thought, well, what can, I like the story, so like, what, well, what can I do with it? And then I thought, well, maybe then I can do it as a short film by my by myself. So I thought, well, if it's going to be a short film, then I have to truncate the story. I have to like do something different with the story. And so I thought about if, well, since you guys have read it, you see that it's a nonlinear story. Mm-hmm. Um, the scenes don't happen in order, and there's a reason why the scenes happen in the order that they happen in the sequence and um, so this is what i came up with because i was thinking if i'm making if i'm going to make it a short story i can't tell it in a linear way there's certain things that have to happen in the, the sequence for it to sort of make sense and so then that's why i came up with that um part of it so 
and then I, I would say, okay, well, I, I can't make this. I don't have enough money. You got to hire actors and all this, all this kind of stuff. So again, then I found out about comicsology and you know, comic books and independent comics becoming more prevalent on the internet. I was like, well, you know, what if I try to go back into comic books one more time, see if I can make a go of it. So I can take that story and make it, like I said, as like a calling card, just a uh, one-shot story and just have it be done and um, some, so something I could show around. So then I rewrote it as a comic book script. And then I just went around to the different uh, websites looking for artists at the time. And again, I was in China, so I couldn't access Facebook at the time. By that time, mm. they blocked it. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I just went to different, I just, you know, Googled, searched for, and I found Alan on this website called Pencil Jack. And he had posted about looking for work. And so I just sent him an email, talked about it, you know, sent him the script and everything. And then we just agreed. And um, I, like I paid him through PayPal and all that kind of stuff. So that's basically how it, how it all got done. Oh, cool. So, you know what? Blessings to you, man, because, you know, we've heard so many horror <laughs> stories in regards to, like, creators trying to collaborate with one another. And the challenge here, too, is, you know, having creators, you know, writers finding artists that don't complete work and stuff like that. And it's really mm -hmm. good to find oh, somebody. Yeah, I've, I've got stories. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we got stories as well. And, and you know what? And that, that's as challenging as everything is with, you know, distribution and getting the word out there and trying to get fans. Uh, because I think, you know, if, if there's certain people and, and we've been through that whole process of rejection as well uh, from other publishers. Um, so we know it. And, and it's not to say that our work isn't good. It's just that's not what they're looking for at the time. And if yeah. you've got, you know, hard rock, you, you, I mean, you've got to have tough skin. Um, in this business, especially if you want to keep moving forward. Yeah. Um, if you, even if you have one fan that's into your work and gets every single thing that you've done, then then that means you can probably get 5, 10, 15, 20 other fans, maybe not in the same market, but being able to expand the market, and that's a challenge. Um, and one of the challenges of you know our, our creators of our time is being able to find um, other creators that can commit mm. to our vision, one, uh, to uh, be somebody compatible with, you know, uh, work ethic wise, uh, you know, compatible with, you know, personalities, because sometimes things can just clash and sometimes they could just not get the vision. So there's already challenges there. And then if you have somebody who just can't complete deadlines on top of deadlines, then it makes it even more challenging, more frustrating and capital just starts to dwindle. So I'm really glad that everything worked out, Alan, because uh, you guys put, put something together. It's really sweet. Yeah, and it, I could say, you know, it wasn't perfect. There were some bumps in the road there. Mm -hmm. uh, part of it was my fault because this was the first comic book that I did. Mm -hmm. And I was, um, and like I said, I, I did like short films and stuff in the past. And I, I was like a one-man band, you know. Mm -hmm. I did everything, writing, uh, directing, cameraman, editing, everything. So I have like very detailed, uh, very... Um, precise vision of what mm. like i want to see and so when i wrote the script for this one it was very detailed mm. like exactly what the angles should be and all this kind of stuff and i realized later that it's a little overbearing you know i'm mm. like yes and and he told me that too he was like you need to trust me 
Hmm. And I was like, well, okay, I can trust you so far, but there are <laughs> there are certain things like when he sent me the art, there were there were certain things like if, if like where a character is looking, you know, it might seem like because I'll tell you like the very first page, right? Okay, there's the the detective is walking up the stairs to the to the apartment and there's other um other people from the apartment complex that are like um standing on the stairways mm -hmm. and the whole point is that something really bad has happened and you're supposed to see sort of like the nervousness the anxiety mm -hmm. the sort of <clears throat> you know um just that these people are like looking towards this detective to question you know and for her to sort of like you know, make the situation right or whatever. <clears throat> so when he originally drew them, you see these people standing standing there and he drew them with them looking away from her, mm -hmm. you know, and I, I, what I wanted was them looking at her. So, and, you know, this might seem like a very small, insignificant detail, but what I told him and what it looked to me is like, and when you see that situation, what that tells me is that those people are ashamed. It's like they did something wrong. And, you know, because there's no words. I mean, they're not talking to her. They're not right. having a conversation. So it's all about body language and stuff like that. Yeah. And so I said, well, they need to be looking at her. You need to, they need to, the reader needs to see that they're sort of like this, like, please help us, you know, like something. Yeah. You know, really bad has happened. Please help us, and that's the sort of feeling that I wanted to convey. So it's like little things like that, where we had to kind of go back and forth. And um, and did you find yourself through the process finding a balance between each other? Because it's funny that you're mentioning that because I worked with a writer who was really detailed. I yeah. mean, the angle of the sun had to be at a certain. Yeah like to cast a shadow in a certain way and, yeah. and i completely get it and you know over time you know we developed a, a trust in a relationship where it was less detail and, mm -hmm. and and the writer understanding understanding that i knew what their vision was and having that sense of trust did you find that happening as as time went on as well yeah, definitely for sure. I mean, and this first project, like I said, I made that mistake. I shouldn't have done it like that. I should have been more, you know, <clears throat> open to just kind of like, so what I do now is when I write a script, like I have the panel, I'll describe what happens in the panel. I won't right. necessarily describe like what angle it's from right. or you know, all that kind of stuff. And leave it up to the artist. Yeah. Unless it's like really critical that there's yep. some reason why it has to look a certain way because i'm trying to convey a certain sort of feeling or an idea or mm. subtext or whatever but so normally now i just describe what happens in the panel and i you know i don't get that um you know overly detailed, detailed. so i've yeah. kind of reined back a little bit that and i know that um this is something that i need to do to let the artist kind of be free. And sometimes when I'll get the art back, I'll be like, okay, that's not really what I imagined. But if it's if it's not like too bad or like it doesn't stray too far, then I, I don't bother with it. I'm not gonna, you know, like, you know, go into all this, fight the artist for like little things like this. Yeah. Um, yeah. So usually I'll just kind of like let it go. Okay. Yeah, that's cool. I, you know, it's, it's, you know, having that relationship with the artist and, you know, the rest of the creative team is, is really crucial because it allows the workflow to actually 
you know, go a lot better, a lot smoother and a lot faster for, for the most part. So it's just interesting. And, and, you know, you can say in retrospect, I wish I would have not done it that way, but you learned from doing that way. So it's yeah. not, you're not going to go through that process again. So, all right, cool. So now you're out there, you're reaching out to creators. Uh, obviously we're paying out of pocket, which is costing us money. So the next step from there is obviously getting it out to, you know, the, the, the community. So after you've got your project done, said and done, then talk about the steps that you take to kind of promote your project. Um, and then do you distribute? Are you, you know, are you mostly online? Um, do you distribute in stores? You know, what's, what's your plan for, you know, all the stuff that you're producing? Okay, so right now, so basically what I did when I started off, I just put everything on digitally. I didn't print anything because I didn't have the money to. Mm -hmm. So I was just putting stuff on Comixology. There's also um, an app called Comic House, mm -hmm. uh, H-A-U-S. Mm -hmm. And then there was a website called Comics Central. Yep. And it was, you know, like an indie version of like Comixology. And so I was just putting stuff on there. But the whole the idea was to eventually have print versions of everything you know so i was putting stuff out digitally hoping to create a fan base that would then support you know printing the books later on down the road um so that's kind of what i'm moving towards right now okay. and so what i did is um like with neotheric um i just went ahead and took some like tax return money that i got a couple years ago and i just published i printed that book it's the, the graphic novel that collects the first four issues mm -hmm. um and then last year i did two kickstarters to fund printing of six eight and then book of legend and but i only have like um i did a small print run i didn't i didn't make that much the goal wasn't really that high um so i only printed like about there was only 100 copies of neotheric there was like 80 copies of um six eight and like 80 80 copies of um book of legend so i don't have very many uh so i can't really like send them out to comic book stores and stuff so because i just don't have enough to like send out and then maybe if they get damaged or they're just sitting on a shelf or something yeah, yeah. you know it's kind of does it doesn't really make sense as far as i'm concerned mm -hmm. so what i'm doing now is just what i do is running the kickstarters for for the next book, whatever it is, like Gun Engine Zero now, and in that campaign, I'll have the other books that I've already printed available to people to buy. Okay. Okay. So I'm kind of doing that, and I also, like, just this weekend, I had the first convention, and I wanted to, you know, start trying to sell books at conventions so I could actually talk to people face-to-face -face and that kind of stuff. Um, and I also have the books on Amazon, so... Uh, so far the three books are on Amazon for people to if people want to pick them up there so basically I'm just trying to concentrate on like whenever I do a Kickstarter to do a book have the other books available and then going to conventions and trying to sell books directly to people nice yeah, yeah. Uh, it, sounds, it sounds like a good plan it's a lot of work too uh, mm -hmm. people don't realize how much work goes behind everything and uh, you know go and it's funny because now you know, if we look at conventions back in like the 80s, even 90s, they were so artist centric. So yeah. people were going mostly for the artists. And, and now in this day and age, you know, you have writers, big time writers at these conventions with lines for books that they didn't even draw. They, <laughs> they, they wrote them, uh, yeah. which I think is awesome. So the fact that you as a writer 
could go out there and sell a book that you wrote, you know, and promote another artist that you hired and stuff like that is is phenomenal and fantastic. Um, Phil, did you have anything you wanted to add or ask? He really covered a, a lot of the, yeah. the questions I had about process and, you know, working with the artists. Because, I, again, I, I find that you you are very good at finding the right artists for the right story, uh, specifically in the, the, the Book of Legends uh, anthology, um, you know, that that each you know each story fits the artist and it's very simpatico um that working relationship so i'm glad you found that compromise um yeah. you know to to know what you know what 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 panel is important to, to you know that that hill to die on versus okay i'm gonna yeah. let the artist art you know so yeah. i like that that you had to find that process and, and i think that's working for you right now yeah and it's definitely that's one of the main things that i look at is you know because there's so many there are a lot of artists out there and so you know, you got to take a lot into consideration. It's like, can I afford their pay rate? Their pay mm. rate? Uh, mm. Are they available? And obviously, the <clears throat> the big thing, like you just mentioned, is does their style fit the story? Mm -hmm. yep. And so there's so, so many different styles, and you got to think about, okay, is th does this like? Well, definitely, Alan Burns was six eight. It's like, you know, when I had imagined it. I imagine like uh, a more um, straightforward sort of drawing, you know, like a, mm -hmm. a art style, like a very realistic sort of gritty art style. And but then when he sent it back to me, I was initially like the very first reaction was like, oh, this is not what I expected. But then the more I kind of looked at it and saw it, it's kind of like this dream world. Mm. And, you know, it's like you're floating through sort of like this atmosphere of everything is like a nightmare or something and i thought wow that really works for the story because like you were saying earlier it's like it helps set the mood mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and and all that kind of stuff and it's like yeah this is absolutely perfect even though it's not what i had imagined but you know that's why i guess that's why i'm not an artist <laughs> uh, <laughs> But yeah, that is definitely one of the main concerns when I look at, think about a story and is look for an artist is does their style match the the art I mean the story. Yeah, now do you, do you give them a test page to see if you know they're on the track for what it is that you're looking for? Cuz sometimes what I'll do is if if I'm not sure of an artist, but I like what they're doing and I have a project, there's like whatever I pay, I pay them a page rate to do one page of something to see yeah. if it's compatible with what I'm looking for. Do you test your artists like that? Or do you just, you know, talk back and forth and they're right on the project? Yeah, so far I've never done that. Um, basically, I guess I'm just looking at their previous work. Gotcha. And making sure that there's something in their previous work that will fit with what, um, you know, I want them to do or yeah. what I'm expecting from them. Yeah. Um, there has been a couple of times like when I've seen, not, not for the sequentials but for pinups like i found some artists to do pinups mm. of the different stories and characters and the i see like the art that they their previous art i was like oh that's really good i think i really like that and, but then when they come back to me with the art it doesn't really look right like what mm. was. Uh, and so i kind of get screwed because mm. you know um, I always pay people. I'm never going to like say, oh, hey, this doesn't look right or whatever. I'm not paying you. I would, I would never screw around with people's money. Right, right. So mm. it's like if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. I just have to chalk it up to, you know, like a learning experience. So but 
that has happened, but it's so far it's only been with you know like pinup kind of artwork and covers and things like that. Cool. <laughs> yeah. There's also you know as we as we sit and we talk about this process, a lot of it is going to be from the creative process, right? Because you know you're a writer, you're hiring another creator, an artist, but you know there's the third dimension to this that most people don't even think about, which is the business aspect of it. Yeah. Um, and so when you're looking at not just distribution and, and, and trying to get your work out there, but even if we're looking for, you know, talent, if you have, say, you know, similar artists uh, and, and, and this can help, you know, push stuff forward and you have similar artists that, you know, have a similar page rate. And, you know, sometimes I'll do a deep dive and see what their followers are like on Instagram, not just their work. So if they have, you know, five, 10,000 followers. Those are 10,000 potential eyes on a project that they're going to be working on for hmm. you as well. Yeah. So oftentimes, most creators don't do the deep dive work when, it looks, when you look at the business projective. So, you know, most of our work that we're going to throw out there is not going to be paid back to us within, you know, the next five years or so. And it depends on how diligent you are. You know, if you're at this every single day, you know, for, you know, whatever amount of hours that you're writing, promoting, uh, putting yourself out there. You know, a lot of us uh, creators have full-time jobs and doing this on the side. So yeah. then we take those five years and we multiply that by just a, you know, a, a time and a half. You're looking at probably seven years of seeing any type of return or, you know, fan base growth. So there's a lot that most creators don't really think about in regards to turning their projects into to money. And if you speak to most creators, they're like, oh, this is passion. I don't really care about the money and stuff like that. After that, you still got to put food on the table. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah. So as much as we, we, you know, as much as we hate it, money does make the world go round. But it also allows us creative freedom to do other projects that we really want to do. Yeah. Um, so I challenge creators all the time. You know what? Don't just think about, you know, the, the creative aspect of it. Think about the underlying business um, and tertiary levels that you really need to think about in order to have this project be distributed to as many people, get as many eyes as you can on it. And you, what you're doing is really smart in, re in regards to having, you know, it done on multiple channels so that you have Amazon being hit, you have all these indie sites being hit. And it's one of the things that, you know, Phil and I spoke about this before, you know, at AmazingActionComics.com, we're, we're a small publisher. And small publishers come and go every single day. Um, you know, they, they, they'll, they'll be around for like two months and then they're gone because they realize that it, it takes money to it takes capital to run business so yeah. one of the things that really separates us and this is what i what allows us to really support the indie community is that we don't have any exclusivity so people can publish their stuff with us and they can publish it with a thousand other people yeah. um because in, 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 when we work with creators we're not working with well-known people and we pride ourselves on finding talent that you know that other people are ignoring um and i think what you're doing and things that we do on top of that is just going to make this community keep growing um, more and more. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so just keep doing what you're doing. All right, so I think we got a gist <laughs> of, of, of you uh, writing style. Now, before we talk about your Kickstarter, because that's what we're really on here uh, to promote that, uh, are you reading or are you following any indie comics um, at the moment? Well, I do... You know, I'm not just a creator. I do support other uh, creators too. You know, buy comics, read comics. Um, I get on Kickstarter and Indiegogo and uh, look for other projects that that I think are pretty cool and I support. Um, there's one, and uh, just this morning, I backed. It's uh, 
what is it called? The scar. Oh man, now I can't remember what it's called. That's a go. We believe you. The Scarlet. The Scarlet. What was it? I can't. Scarlet Twilight. Okay. Mm. Uh, it's really cool. It's kind of like got like a retro sort of vibe to it, like Flash Gordon, all that kind of hmm. stuff. The art oh, is nice. really cool. It's on Kickstarter. Um, you know, so I've got a a bunch of them that I I've supported in the last couple of weeks. So yeah, I mean, I go on uh, I go on Kickstarter and go go and look for things that I think are pretty cool. Um, I don't have you know much time or much money, so I I guess I, I don't do it as much as I could. Um, but I do, you know, read stuff and I, you know, I still buy sometimes, you know, Marvel comics, you know, the big publisher comics and stuff. Right. But What's a favorite genre? I don't really have a favorite genre. Um, you know, I, I look at the world as like a buffet, you know, mm -hmm. you take, uh, you take a little bit of everything. I like, I like everything. Um, so, I mean, I like the, you know, Marvel has like the new alien book that they're putting out. Um, I've been okay. reading that, uh, I, uh, I don't so, totally uh, no, like so, it, but it's, it's, there you go. So I was going to challenge you. So what? <laughs> what? What do you really? What? What really don't you like? Like what won't you read? Oof. Oh man, <laughs> uh, I'm pretty open person. No, you can't so do I that. Can't. No, uh, there's I'll, stuff I'll read, that we I'll... just refuse. Like for me, it's kaiju stuff. I love kaiju movies, but reading yeah. anything kaiju is like eating like Brussels sprouts. It's just yeah. like oh, I won't go down. <laughs> every now and then we find a gem every now and then because now i'm reading we are we write titans uh i right. think that's a vault comic and it's a yeah. kaiju book and i didn't realize that it was and i yeah. was like Ugh! but it was actually pretty good because yeah. it's not really about them when they're at the forefront it bothers me but when they're like a a side part of the main story then yeah. for some reason i can digest it so there's always something that you can pick up and like two pages in you're like nope i'm putting this back down yeah for yeah. me it's zombies i'm not much for zombies <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I uh, I had a friend a long time ago who was really into zombies. He's like, you know, talking about George Romero all the time and stuff like that. He introduced me to the Red Dwarf. It's like a British comedy show. Yeah, um, it was really funny. But yeah, I was never into zombies either. And I mean, I'm still not really that into it. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if there's anything like I would just look at and immediately say no. I would not read that. I mean, you never know. Like you're just saying, you know, you never yeah. know what something might hit you in, in unexpected ways. So Yeah, yeah. And it I could guess. be the creative team that's on it that can kind of get you into it. I, I got it. Yeah. You know, I, 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 I'm not going to say I love zombie stuff. The stuff that Tom Taylor did with Deceased was fantastic. Right, um, right. So that was great. I guess it would um, probably be if I did really had to pick something, you know, like – these like slice of life kind of things. <laughs> those, uh, those are Phil's favorite. I love. I do. I love a, a good slice of life indie comic. Like um, you know, uh, beg the question or your minimum wage, like stuff like that. I love that stuff. Uh, the Buddy Chronicles, right? Hate like those are great. <laughs> That's so funny. Um, all right, cool. So um, yeah, let's talk about your Kickstarter. So um, tell everybody out there what your Kickstarter is. Um, and then kind of when do you feel like it's going to be launching? Because it should be soon, right? Okay, yeah. So it's not launching yet, but there is a pre-launch page up there so you can sign up. And, you know, it's real important to get uh, a, a strong start. That really helps uh, to get um, everything funded. So I'm trying to, you know, take this time to build it up. Um, I'm basically waiting. The reason why I haven't launched it yet is because I put some ads in Alterna Comics 
books. Yep, yep we know them. Mm. And um, like Mighty Mascots, because the team that's on Mighty Mascots is doing my book. Oh, is, cool. Yeah. Ian Wariento and Anton Bandy, they're going to be doing the Gez artwork. And um, so I put an ad in there, and it's like T-Bird and Throttle, um, Legend of Log, and uh, Downcast. I think it's like four books I put yep. in there. Yep. But the books haven't gotten to the people yet. So, and that's potentially, you know, maybe a couple hundred backers that would see it. Right. Mm. Uh, I think there was like 500 backers on that campaign for those books. Yeah, that's the challenging so, thing with that particular imprint is yeah. they don't have a, a production cycle. So, <laughs> you know, it's, it's they, they wait for a whole bunch of books to be done and then they release everything yeah. all at once. So, well, yeah, he said really he tricky. said the books were going to be out in February. Um, but he then he just did an update yesterday, and I think he said that the books are still at the printer yeah. right it, now. It's a one-man show, so yeah. he has a lot of work under his belt. Yeah, so it's a, yeah. I think his name is Peter Sametti. He's the publisher yeah. for Atona. Yeah, yeah so. I've been following him for a while. Yeah. Because um, he does a lot of cool things. I like He does it like on newsprint and stuff like that. Correct, so. correct. Um, so anyway, so, <clears throat> so I'm kind of – waiting for that because i don't want that to go to waste mm. you know all that stuff um so i'm hoping to launch it in uh april 5th that's the what i'm aim aiming for right now i may okay. have to push it back like a week or two to make sure that you know that that ad gets to people in time that they can actually see it and then go to the uh, campaign right okay so <clears throat> So basically, this this so the campaign is going to be it's called Gun Engine Zero. It's like a sci-fi superhero in the tradition of um, like Power Rangers, uh, Ultraman. Uh, the original inspiration was Rom Space Knight. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. You know that uh, and all the kind of like sci-fi kind of stuff from like the seventies and early eighties, especially the Japanese stuff, which is what I really loved as a kid. So it's sort of like my homage to that kind of era and that kind of visual aesthetic and so basically the story is like uh, a lone warrior fighting the aliens on earth and then the humans are caught in the middle of, of this ancient intergalactic war that's been going on you know f forever and now it's on earth and the, the humans are caught in the crossfire and all this chaos that erupts in this small town and so it kind of has a feel and a tone of also like 80s movies things like uh, goonies gremlins back to the future critters um <laughs> yeah critters uh all that kind of stuff so it's sort of like in it in an age where it's uh, not quite as cynical and everything is the way that it is now you know you don't have smartphones and all this kind of stuff it's it's kind of told from like sort of a kid's sort of point of view um um not so adult and you know all that kind of stuff and mm. it's pretty much all ages maybe like a pg-13 or something there's some violence but it's you know nothing gory or anything like that um and it's this will be the first issue um it should be seven issue miniseries i've okay. already written up to the sixth issue uh <clears throat> so i'm i'm thinking either the sixth it'll be seven issues or the the last issue will be like a giant-sized issue because this is going to be a big, big conclusion here. So it's a, 
it's a wild ride, like a roller coaster ride. There's gonna, you know, there's some comedy in it. There's action adventure. Uh, there's tragedy and there's triumph. All that kind of good stuff, like a classic story. I'm taking like these classic elements of things, like, you know, uh, John Carpenter's The Thing, things from like Alien, um, and uh, Invasion of the Body Snatchers, those kinds of things, Twilight Zone kind of things, and then yeah. put it kind of put them in this story and then they got like a, a there will be like modern twists and turns so the things you won't expect um so this is a really big deal for me you know doing like this this many this big of a project and uh financially it's like a it's a more than i can afford to self-fund so right. i definitely need the help from the the kickstarter crowd and everything to get it made Cool. Well, we'll definitely get the word out there for for you to do this. It'll be interesting to see, uh, see this project when it's done as well. It sounds really fascinating, and, and uh, uh, I guess the display image that you have, uh, the art looks really cool. So I'm really interested. I, ho I, I really hope this comes to uh, fruition because I, I definitely want to be able to get my hands on it. Um, we'll yeah. definitely be supporting you as well. So um, that'd be really cool. Um, so you said it's seven issues. Are are their plans so right now you're only doing issue one for the kickstarter well well there obviously it's going to be reward re, um reward tiers um are you thinking about doing reward tiers for anybody who wants to advance order all seven issues oh uh, well i never thought about that i didn't <laughs> see that's I how you got to tie was, them in bro you got to get that them to possible <laughs> yeah or you could put whatever you want you could you could put a bag of poop and see if somebody buys it <laughs> when it comes to reward tier but you know i, I i'm, yeah, I'm not looking... famous you know I'm okay, <laughs> well there's there's adherence right so if somebody can commit to all seven issues at a cheaper price i think that's a little bit more enticing obviously we have to deliver and that's one of yeah. the problems you know we talk about creators being flaky we talk about you know creators being flaky on kickstarter as well but yeah. at the same time, it's been one of these tools um, that's been great for creators that can deliver on time. You know, yeah. we pride on ourselves for the most part. Every project that we've ever had on Kickstarter was already complete. So yeah. we didn't have to wait. Everything was just ready for production. It was just the only thing we waited on was um, Kickstarter delivering the funds to us so that we can send everything to print. But for yeah. the most part, we didn't have to have anything done. I would say uh, my advice to most creators is have half your project at least done um, before you go ahead and start. I, I would honestly wait till the whole thing is done just because you never know um, yeah. from uh, a finished production end what's going on with the artists or the anchors or the rest of the creative team. And that could always be quite challenging and frustrating for people that, you know, you get as backers for the first time, but then that next project that you fail on, you know, meeting your deadline, um, it just pushes them away. And there's just so much content on kickstarter yeah. that it's ridiculous yeah um, that's pretty crazy so but yeah. yeah that is that is something that i've wanted to do and that's what i did in previously mm. like with the that's why i did neotheric and six eight and book of legend is like i self-funded those you know i put my money mm. into it to show people to say look i'm very serious about this this is no joke i'm not a flake um i'm gonna get stuff done the problem with this is that these artists that I got, I mean, they're very good. I think they're awesome. And I think they're perfect for, like we were talking about before, I think they're perfect for this uh, material. But their rate is Pricey. more than I can afford. Yeah. Got yeah, it. Yeah, my yeah, own yeah. pocket. Yeah. Yep. Um, it's like at least $4,000 just to do one issue. 
And right now I'm not in the position to spend that kind of money. Um, I've been unemployed for like the last year and a half. And my wife is the one who's, uh, you know, supporting us. And so I can't, I can't do this anymore. I can't like put all of it and then hope that, um, you know, I can sell everything and make my money back. Right. Um, so yeah, I, ideally like if this campaign, this campaign was successful enough, I would go ahead and put the, that extra money into doing issue two so that when, if I do a Kickstarter later, that book will be done. Right. So then, so I'm kind of like, you know, stacking everything. Yep. So like if this can afford it, then I do the second issue. And then the next issue, if I do a Kickstarter, that money will actually go to the third book. And then, you know, doing doing it like that. So that way the books can be done and ready to ship out. I would love to be able to do that. I just can't afford that right now. Gotcha. Right, so so right. we need this first one to be to kick off nice and strong. Yes. Uh, I will remind you as a fellow creator as well, been on Kickstarter, don't forget your taxes. So I know that when you do the initial uh, Kickstarter, there's like a calculator. Yeah. Do the calculator really, really well because it tells you how much in taxes you want to pay out of pocket uh, for your particular project. And then it'll tell you how much to add on to that project. It's a nifty tool that they just added, I think, recently. I think it's probably within the last year or so. Um, yeah. But so crucial because I know so many creators like, yeah, I got my stuff funded. Everything's paid out. <laughs> and then Uncle Sam comes knocking on the door. Where's our 40%? What? Right. What? So, or, or if you're, you know, you got it to the T, you, you, you're at a complete loss. You know, yeah. you, you made it back down to zero or you actually lost money on the project and then you don't have to worry about the taxes then, um, really. Mm. But yeah, taxes suck, but it's yeah. all part of the process. And when you're doing this on your own, there's so many things other than just writing that we have to think about, in, you know, from start to finish. Um, yeah. on that michael so yeah listen so we'll, we'll definitely have the links up on the site um from your kickstarter project uh from your website and then even your instagram so hopefully if you guys are listening you can give uh, michael a follow um and then just you know follow him on the uh, kickstarter he'll let you know when it's going to be launching there as well um all right phil anything else before i ask michael our final question uh no man i just wish you the best of luck man keep at it you, you got some good thank stuff you. going here so, thanks i appreciate know, it folks listen and help this guy out yes stuff. please yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um all right michael so final question and this will be for you know the creator creators out there listening uh what what advice would you give to any up-and-coming creator or even veteran creator um when it comes to you know doing this medium and what they love what advice do you have for creators out there well, do we have like another five hours? <laughs> well, I, I would say just uh, the main thing is what you've already touched on is don't be flaky. Uh, I mean, if you're if you're going to do something and you expect people to support you, you just got to take it seriously and do it and get it done. I mean, I approach this as like my own small business. It's not just like me oh, I'm just going to write a story. I'm going to make a story and all I'm do art or whatever. It's a business. Yeah. You know, there's a business aspect to it and it's a job. So just like any other job, you have to get up every day and do it. Um, so if you want to be a writer, you got to write every day. If you want to be an artist, you got to draw every day. And, you know, I think the, the 
the people that are, have been the most successful in anything, whether it's, you know, like movies, comics, whatever, you see that they, they you know, just grind it out. They just do it like it's a, any other job. Mm. And so I would say I would because I've seen other people, you know, I've supported other people. There's like I've got like five or six either Kickstarters or Indiegogo's that I supported like three years ago and I still never got Mm. And so, and if, if I ever see those people again and then, Hey, you just, you know, I got another thing. Well, you can go shove it. I'm, I'm not going <laughs> to support anything you do. And it's, it's like ridiculous. So yeah. I, I would just say, you know, take it seriously and just, you know, grind it out and, uh, do what you said you were going to do. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, yeah. awesome advice, Michael. I mean, yeah, definitely grind it out guys. Do it every single day. So Michael, I want to thank you again. Uh, for being on our podcast. Uh, we wish you the best of luck with this project. We'll definitely be looking out. And, you know, hopefully when the project launches, you reach out back to us and, you know, we'll have you on, discuss things, how, how they go, and, um, and, and hopefully we'll get it printed out. Yeah, so, that'd be awesome. I appreciate yeah, it. Yeah. All right, for you guys out there, remember, uh, support your local creators uh, always. Support your local comic shops as well. Phil, where do you get your comics from? The Joker's Child, Angel, in Fairlawn, New Jersey. A oh. lot of great stuff going on over there. <laughs> of course you do. Yeah, if you're ever in Fairlawn, come <laughs> visit us at the Joker's Child. If not, support your local comic book shops as well as your local supporters or your local indie creators as well. If you want to be on a podcast, amazingactioncomics.com slash podcast. Fill out the form. We'd love to have you on. Talk about your projects and or your creative process. If you like what you're hearing, click subscribe to the podcast. We'd love to have you come every Monday and or Friday when we're on. Uh, stay up to date on everything Amazing Action Comics at AmazingActionComics.com. We've got some great stuff lined up uh, coming over the next couple of months. So, yeah, we'll be sharing some great things there. All right, gang, until next time, as always, be amazing, stay amazing, and read something amazing. Amazing.